0: Thanks, team. Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, we uh, lift up this morning to you and uh very aware. Ashley's story is our story. It never gets old, Lord. It never gets old hearing our story. Jesus paid it all. Washed me. Would you do more of that work, that saving work, we know you've saved us and yet you still work this out in us and do it this morning. a fresh way, God. Amen. Kids can be dismissed for Kids own Church. Uh, a couple of things just to give you guys a heads up on. we got the... Spaghetti dinner, this is a sign up thing. April 16th, right uh, in this room here, April 16th at five o'clock to six o'clock or 6.15 to 7.15. So uh, what is this about? Um, it's it's more than pasta, it's more than uh, some sauce. Um, it, it's in fact, it's way bigger than that. Um, and uh, it, it's this idea that we do these things as a church and part of the community. Deuteronomy 6 talks about parents, we want you to do this, to raise, God wants you to raise your kids and to teach them. But Deuteronomy 6 is this call not only to the family, but it is to the spiritual family to do this together. And so what, what's going on is our often uh, every three years, our national office puts on a conference for our youth called LIFE. And uh, what we see happen is, you know, every year we, every time we send that out, not year, but every three years, we send out a group of students. And invariably, that time at life, um, students look back on and say, that is the moment when God did A, B, or C, fill in the blank. And we typically see these incredible moments of spiritual breakthrough and surrender and calling. And, uh, And so this spaghetti dinner is not necessarily about eating. It is about uh, raising money to empower students or to free students to go there. And that's the bigger vision of this thing. And that's what we uh, really are are about at this church. Um, And when you think of, there's spiritual moments that happen in our lives where God locks things into place that don't get unlocked. And this is one of those things that we have consistently seen over the years. And uh, we'd encourage you to uh, just prayerfully consider um, just it, it's, it's by donation. So, perfectly consider how, you know, whatever God's leading you to do to how, how you support uh, these uh, students who are going there to life. But uh, it's coming. Write it down on the calendar. Um, life fundraiser pizza. I, I was supposed to, oh, yes, give this to you. Yeah. So. Look for that sign. It's out in the foyer for signups. Um, uh, the other thing, uh, r- just real briefly, um, and then we'll we'll jump into today's message is just uh, where we are with the building and things like this. And uh, uh, final inspection did not happen this past week. And uh, uh, God has plans, and so. Um, He's in this. He's in this. He's been in this all along. And uh, there's moments in, where we are tested in our faith, and there's moments where we just go really. And um, and I, you know, I don't know all the spiritual realities that go on. I do know that we're in a battle. I do know that we live in a fallen world, and uh, where those two meet on this project, I am not sure. Um, but uh, we're gonna. We're gonna trust God says, "Look, when you pray, you can bind things on earth that are bound in heaven and you can loose things on earth that are loosed in heaven and uh folks i, I you know we make a jokes so we're we're not sure when this final inspection's gonna come um we just we just don't know it's man makes plans right so um as you can tell, I'm just like ugh, on this whole thing, and, um, everybody who's leading this project is feeling that, that pressure of wanting to get this thing done, and, uh, and it's, I look at the team, and our team is doing great, um, and, uh, trying to trust God, trying to stay above water, trying not to throw our hands up in the air and say quit, And our team's really fighting for, for that, fighting for unity, um, so, um, we're just going to spend a moment praying right now, if that's all right. Uh, we haven't done that in a while, and we just need to pray for this project. Um, also, just so you know, this uh, this is what could cloud the whole thing, is, oh, we're delayed, it's six months. But you hear stories like Ashley's, and, and you hear stories even last week in the baptism, and, you know, we had over 780 people here last Sunday, which is amazing. I mean, I, we never thought you could get... 700 in this building that's why we did it over there and over uh, for Easter. cis um, we never got above 715 i think in cis and so here we do two services thinking we wouldn't have as many people and we have 780 so god's here god's doing things people are getting set free people are finding christ uh, and it just all this stuff It doesn't matter when Christ is in it. So um, let's pray, and let's pray with faith. Let's not pray discouraged. Let's not pray defeated because we aren't defeated. We just saw that today. And uh, let's, let's see what God does here in these weeks ahead. So join me. I'll just lead us in some prayer here. If we can bind things in the authority and power in Christ and we can loosen things in the authority and power in Christ, I just encourage you right now, you just say in Christ's name, I just bind up any satanic activity that is slowing this project down. In the name of Christ, also bind any satanic activity that is attacking our team, that is attacking our church. You can use his name to rebuke fear, confusion, division, Use his name now to bless this project, to open doors. Use his name to bless the team with strength, with encouragement, victory. Pray for his presence to come now. Bless this room with his presence. Pray for those around you. Pray God would touch them today. Pray he would meet them today. Lord, teach us in these days ahead what it means when Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Teach us what it means that with men it is impossible, with God all things are possible. Lord, we, just, we bind doubt right now and unbelief in your name. In your name, Jesus, I just bless each one of us with faith from you. New faith. New belief. Not only just for this building, but for life and what we face. That you speak in the fire. You wake us up you protect us Thank you for Jesus. 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 amen <coughs> I needed that thanks today we're uh, gonna continue in Joshua. Somebody was commenting, um, somebody I know (laughs) was saying, are we in Joshua? And I go, yeah. And uh, they said, your little sermon slide should say, still in Joshua. (laughs) It was somebody under the age of 15. So uh, I laughed, I laughed really hard. I'm like, I know. We're still, um, I'm not saying what or who that was, so. um, Today's uh, story focuses on one tribe, it's Joshua chapter 20. And uh, yeah, sorry, last week, talk about rocket science, I had Deuteronomy 20 up on the screen for most of the time. And I had a lot of people going, why is it Deuteronomy? I can't find it in Deuteronomy. I don't know, meters, yards, feet, it all works out. Um, Joshua 20 is where we are. 21. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us. Oh, Jesus. There you go. All right, we're good. Oh, my goodness. We need to pray some more. Um says, then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came to Eleazar the priest and to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel. Meaning, all the bigwigs got together, from all the tribes, got together, and the Levites were calling the meeting. And they said to them at Shiloh, which is now where the tabernacle is, center of the political center, spiritual center of Israel at this point. The Lord commanded Moses, or through Moses, that we be given cities to dwell in, along with their pasture lands for our livestock. So, by command of the Lord, the people of Israel gave to the Levites the following cities and pasture lands of their inheritance. Um, this, uh, this passage, it's interesting. You know, We've gone through all of Joshua. We really haven't talked about the tribe of Levite. And um, I'm going to get a Kleenex here. Uh, We haven't talked about the tribe of Levi. And when we went through chapters 13 through 19, I don't know if you noticed, but Levi was conspicuously absent, left out. And uh, when they were divvying up the territories and who got what. And, And now they come to him saying, hey, look, God even said we weren't supposed to get territory. We're getting cities. And and we're supposed to be different, and what's going on? Um, And so to understand chapter 21, you actually really have to go back and understand where did the tribe of Levi come from, and what is the story that gets them to this point? Because it's really complex, and once you understand that, this passage comes alive. And so we have to do some history today. We have to go back and dig up some things. Um, and I think you'll find that it's, it's relevant to us. And so the question is, first, why don't they get any territory? And it starts, we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, but it starts back in Genesis chapter uh, 34. Levi was one of the 12 sons of Jacob then changed his name to Israel. So you have Jacob slash Israel had 12 boys. Levi was one of them. If you go back and you read, Levi and his brother Simeon, uh, their sister was uh, assaulted, and uh, they took the, the, that personally, went out in revenge, and way far beyond justice, killed an entire village of men because of it. Years later, fast forward to Genesis 49, and it, Jacob slash now Israel says on his deathbed, This is his blessing he's given to the sons. And, and, and this is what he says to Levi in chapter 49, verse 6, uh, for five, 5 through 7, actually. Simeon and Levi are brothers, they had the same mom. Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not into their counsel. Oh, my glory, be not joined to their company, for in their anger they killed men, and in their willfulness they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I'll divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. That's his final words to his two sons. Now, what ends up happening is we, we see some of this fulfilled, but that doesn't totally explain all of it. It certainly looks like what he's saying right there, that there's no land for Levi. We'll have to wait and see. Exodus then, fast forward 400 years about, 12 sons uh, are now the 12 tribes of Israel, and formerly called Jacob, Father Jacob, Israel, now they've grown into a nation. Their size, is, this is the story that many of us know, threatens the pharaoh of, of Egypt of that day. So he starts to kill all the baby boys, and then insert Moses. Ah, oh, that Moses! You guys remember him? And 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 uh, Moses, right? Charlton Heston, close enough. Um, listen to Exodus chapter two. This is interesting. So now we're fast forwarding 400 and some years, and a man, verse 1 of Exodus chapter 2, a man from the house of Levi went and took out as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes, daubed it with pitch. She put the child in it, placed it among the reeds in the river bank. Did you know Moses was a Levite? I didn't. How many of us, how many knew Moses was a Levite? Look at that. Work it. Come on. Moses was a Levite. Hmm. Fast forward, as you go through this, Moses gets this call from God, the burning bush, I want you to go you know, set my people free or leave my people out of slavery. Rather, that's the right way to say it. Moses is like, I can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. God finally gets exasperated, angry, and says, okay, fine, your brother Aaron, well, then Aaron's a Levite. I kind of knew that, but I didn't know Moses. So Aaron now becomes, God says, he will be a prophet. He'll be the prophet voice of the instructions that I give to you. So it's in Exodus, interestingly enough, two Levite brothers, Moses and Aaron, are elevated by God to lead the nation of Israel. Huh. So they lead them out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, water coming out of the rock, the whole thing, go to Mount Sinai. And where the story starts to take a, a turn is Exodus chapter 13. And I never knew this. This is fascinating. Exodus chapter 13. I always thought, oh, the Levites were always priests, but they're not always priests because this is interesting what God says in Exodus chapter 13, verse 1. This is the day after the Passover, right? So the Passover was the day that God sent the angel of death to kill all the firstborn in all the land of Israel, or all the land of Egypt, rather. Sorry, He gave Israel a heads up and said, if you sacrifice a lamb and 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 paint the doorposts of that with that blood, your firstborn will be spared. The next day, the Lord said to Moses in verse one of chapter thirteen. Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and the beast, is mine. This right here is the priesthood. The first or original plan, I don't know if you've ever known this, the original plan right here that God says is the firstborn would be the priesthood. Did you know that? the firstborn and that's the plan that carries through for a while but it's the firstborn if you imagine now effectively all the families and all of Israel their firstborn son would be called, be part of the, the priesthood which is like wow so if you're a firstborn son right now you actually would be in the priesthood if you're a part of Israel Another notable Levite moment, three months later, Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and, and before we think the Levites are all that, he's getting the Ten Commandments, he comes down, people all came to Aaron, we, we don't know where Moses is, what's going on, it's all smoky up there, um, can you make us an idol? A- and Aaron's like, yeah, I could do that, and he makes the idol, and ends up, Moses comes down, what did you do? And he says, well, we kind of put some gold together, threw it in the fire, and it popped out, um, golden calf wow. And, and it's amazing that Aaron didn't get killed because he's the one that led this. And Moses comes down and he says to everyone, whoever's on the Lord's side, come over here to the entire nation. Guess who came over? The Levites. The only tribe that came over. Fast forward on, God tells actually Moses that Aaron and his four sons are going to be the priests, serve as the priests, like right there in, in the temple, and, or in the tabernacle in the temple, but that's not the entire priesthood, but he has the privilege of being right there in the middle of it, and then actually that's after that is when he builds the uh, the golden calf thing. But he says he'll be able to serve, he and his sons will serve God forever. A couple late, chapters later, Aaron's sons uh decide to do this whole fire offering on their own initiative don't follow god's description or prescription for it and they end up being killed two years later when it's time to go in the promised land the nation has all their laws they have the civil laws they have the ceremonial laws they have the tabernacle built now we're ready to go the ark of the covenant is built they waited two years to put this all together Uh, So there's a lag time between when they got actually out of Egypt and when they started to go towards the land, and all that was about preparation. They were finally ready to go. God takes a census of all the people. We call that Numbers, the book of Numbers. And and in there, he says something that is fascinating, because up to this point, there's still the priesthood is with Aaron and also all the firstborn of Israel. And it's when you come to chapter 3 that God all of a sudden does something, and this is where it starts. I always wondered, where did the Levites get the whole priesthood thing? It's in Numbers chapter 3. I'm trying to find it. Verse 11. He says this, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Behold, I have taken the Levites from among the people of Israel instead of every firstborn. Who opens the womb among the people of Israel? The Levites shall be mine, for all the firstborn are mine. And he says it again in verse 40 of chapter 13. List all the firstborn males of the people of Israel from a month old and upward, taking the number of their names. Here you go. And you shall take the Levites for me, I am the Lord, instead of all the firstborn from among the people of Israel. Did you guys know about this whole firstborn thing? How many people knew that one? oh, I'm feeling a lot better. I have no clue about that. I, I mean, I went through, I, I've been in, I, I don't know how I never knew that. But I didn't. There's so many things I don't know. I don't know when we're getting the building. I don't know about the Levites. I just think that is so cool. I'm, just, I'm still, like, learning. I still, there's so many things I don't know. Uh, um, so anyway, so God comes, and, and imagine this moment where uh, God He announces this so the entire nation hears this news that all the firstborn children are now staying in the family. That's got to feel good and bittersweet depending on how you view it, right? And then the Levites hear that their whole clan, their whole tribe is now God's. Completely, entirely, the entire, The entire tribe is set apart for him. It's radical news. And depending on your understanding and your view of God, that could be a good thing or that could be a bad thing on either side of it. If you fast forward now to Joshua, that catches us up to speed on what's happening and why we're here in Joshua 21, but if you look at Joshua 13 through 19, up on the screen, you'll see these verses. It, they're giving out all the territory, but four different times in these chapters, Levi is mentioned, and it says this, to the tribe of Levi alone, Moses gave no inheritance in chapter 13. The offerings by fire to the Lord God of Israel are their inheritance, as he said to him. Joshua 13 as well, but to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel is their inheritance, just as he said to them. Joshua 14, no portion was given to the Levites in the land, but only cities that dwell in with their pasture lands for their livestock and their substance. Chapter 18, the Levites have no portion among you. No inheritance, in other words. For the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. Huh. Levites get no territory. How would you feel hearing that? You get nothing. You get no territory to really call your own. You get nothing. You are nothing like the 11 other tribes. You're different because God has chosen you. And you, so you see them go settle all their lands and all their territories and you get no territories. The, the, the inheritance you get is you get to be with Jesus or you get to be with God. But not all the Levites got that. There was all kinds of roles and places they served, but the priesthood as a whole was still theirs. It strikes me that there's probably two conflicting emotions going on, on both sides. There had to be Levites feeling envy, jealousy, vulnerable. Everybody else gets sizable territories. Freedom to be self-sustaining, go do, go raise, go work, while they just get some cities. They were dependent on the 11 other tribes. It doesn't say this here, but in other places, they're dependent on the 11 other tribes to support them, to sustain them. And God kept saying over and over again, their inheritance is me. Their inheritance is my presence. It jumps out on the page, doesn't it? Is uh, is God and His presence a greater inheritance than what we would see around us? You know how we talked about how you you, ha- you read the Bible through forwards, but you understand it backwards. If you jump over to First Peter chapter two, it says this about us: You're a chosen race. This is to anyone who would follow Christ a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So Christ comes along and he says, okay, I'm going to fulfill the law and and I'm going to tear the barrier between men and women and me. So anybody can get into the holy of holies, me, which therefore means that we're all priests, priestesses. Uh, We we have the living God within us. 1 Corinthians talks about we're a temple now because God is in us. We serve as his royal priesthood. And and so Christ puts this out to us. is our inheritance with him more valuable is being in the presence of him, more valuable than getting an inheritance here. The psalmist, if you read through the psalmist, he's so sick and tired of watching everybody get their inheritance. He talks about it, just sees the wicked get everything they want, and we're on the outside, or he's on the outside, and I I think there's a real parallel for us as Christians. Do we see his presence as the most valuable thing ever? Amen. Amen. Like it compensates for saying no, it more than compensates for going with less. It's better than having great territory. It's better than whatever we would see in a show or a movie or a magazine that says, oh no, this is the kind of inheritance. Are you in his presence? Are you in his, do you know his presence? Do you walk in his presence? Let's just take a moment. Just, let's be in his presence for a second. Let me just, let's just do this. God, we've asked you to come. We've been praying. We know you're here. But I pray for a specific manifestation of your spirit right now. if you are open to receive and and, and to receive his presence right now in a specific way, and I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, Just hold your hands out. God, would would you reveal yourself right now? Would you give a word? Would you give a passage of scripture? Would you give a picture? Would you give wisdom? Would you give peace, hope? Lord, you you script it, no agenda. Would you say that the inheritance of your priest is your presence? He didn't want you to pick it up, lay it down, give it to him. You got stuff between you and him. Just say, God, I don't want the wall. Help me deal with it later. I, I just need that wall out right now. You can do this. Would you just untangle them right now for people? Wisdom, knowledge, just bless us with that. I want to close with this one last thought. And Joshua. chose lots for the clans. There was three sons of Levi, the Kohathites, the Gershonites and the Merorites, I think is how you pronounce them. And uh, they split them up between all the the 11 tribes or 12 territories and uh, got cities and different ones. And that's what you see play out here. Aaron's tribe had Judah, Simeon, Benjamin significant because those two tribes, Judah, and Benjamin, ended up lasting longer than the other ten territories. Aaron, the priesthood, center, presence of God in Jerusalem. But as it goes out, verse 9 talks about the Kohathites, Aaron being a part of that. You see that verse 20, the rest of the Kohathites, the Gershonites in verse 27. Read through these things, just describe city and place after place and cities of refuge. Those were run by and owned by the Levites. Interesting. In verse 41, it says the cities of the Levites in the midst of the possession of the people of Israel were 48 cities. Up on the screen, you'll see a picture of all these red dots. The Levites were in the midst of the people. Sound familiar? What God has done is he's brought his presence into you. And this morning, and he said, I don't want you to live together in a little territory all clustered together. You are going to be out among." You are going to bring my presence and it's going to be light, just like the Levites were to the entire nation, everywhere, distributed in all the territories, no boundaries for the priesthood. No one owned the priesthood, they're just out everywhere. The priesthood wouldn't take one territory, they're gone and we're the royal priesthood, which means you have been given the presence and the light of Christ and what you've been given today, people are dying for. And whether you know it or not, you're the expert. You realize you're the expert if you follow Christ, people are gonna look to you and go, you must know where God is. You must know how to meet God. And all we've done here in these few moments is just stop and pray, and God came. I think sometimes we make it so complicated. We gotta have all the right things said and get them in the right order, when in fact people just want the presence Tell me you can get me into the presence. You're the priesthood. Forever the church is trying to professionalize it. Give it away. Give it back to the professionals. You're the priests, The priestess. You have the presence of God. It's brilliant. It's subversive. Right among us. We spring up where it's darkest and where God is needed. Let's just close with this time of worship here at the end.